Welcome to Manifestival. And we are in front of a live studio audience here in LA. And we have Allison Stoner coming out onto the stage where I get to ask this beautiful human deep questions about being in Hollywood. What was it like to be in Hollywood? What drives them? Why do they do what they do? They have been featured in over 200 films. Let's welcome Allison Stoner. Welcome to Manifestable, where you'll receive profound breakthroughs, courage to break old patterns, and live into your soul's purpose. Each week, I will bring you epic guests, live coaching, and manifestation tools to remind you of your power. You have the ability to achieve extraordinary things, and the time to start is now. All right, my loves, so many people ask me, you guys, how I have my energy to run three businesses, be a mom to two girls, to be a wife, to be able to be healthy, to take care of myself. And I have to tell you, it really depends on my energy and me amping up my motivation. You see, motivation is not given. And it's not like some people have more motivation than other. It, motivation is created. And I do a very specific energy boosting routine in the morning. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. So I know it's going to help you. It's going to be a game changer for you. And I wanted to give you this as a gift. So all you have to do is go to take out a pen and paper right now because you don't want to miss this because I'm going to actually send it right to you. Go to morning, morning dot manifestablepodcast.com. So morning dot manifestablepodcast.com. You'll see it right there. Just put in your email. I'll email you this exact routine that I'm doing. You guys, I'm so excited for you to have this enhancing, boosting energy in the morning. You deserve it. Allison Stoner is a multidisciplinarian artist, author, and global speaker, co-founder of Movement Genius, a digital studio focused on mental and emotional health through movement. Love that. Allison partnered with organizations like the United Nations, TED and the World Health Organization for Mental Health Advocacy. With a background in acting and voiceover work, Allison has appeared in numerous films and shows, including Disney Channel's Camp Rock and Phineas and Ferb. Allison has written a viral op-ed for People Magazine, which uncovers the psychological impact of child stardom. Allison also has her own podcast, which is called Dear Hollywood. I loved chatting with Allison. Diving in with Allison was a breath of fresh air. I could feel the authenticity. I could feel the heart. I could feel the drive. And it was nothing short of inspirational. Can't wait to dive into this episode. Welcome, Allison Stoner. This is fun to have you. Yeah, just pull it all the way up. About yeah, you. Hey, know everyone. Nice to see you. Brooke pulled up some of your videos. Oh, nice. <laughs> I was like, I was like, they are so good. Oh my gosh, because I wasn't really in that era. I didn't grow up right, with a right. TV. Really, yeah, yeah. My family was. We we're out on a farm. <laughs> I don't have a TV either. So you didn't. I haven't seen most of the things. I've How did you act in? get onto TV like that? Like, what was that journey? Very unexpected and definitely unplanned. I'm from a small town in Ohio. No way. Mm -hmm. And we had no affiliation with entertainment in the family. I just attended some conventions 
similar to if you took your kid to, you know, a basketball tournament or gymnastics meet. This just happened to be for dancing, singing, acting. And the response was really positive, which, you know, is the double-edged sword because then they sell you a, a promise to try it out in Los Angeles or one of the major hubs for the industry. And I was fortunate enough, we could say, to meet with agents and managers. And it was off to the races pretty quickly because I ended up booking roles soon after auditioning. And again, double-edged sword. Had we understood the implications what that meant financially on the family, logistically for relocating, the health issues that resulted from totally workaholism at seven years old. I think we would have paused and reconsidered. But once you're on the train, it's it's hard to, to stop. Were it's you exciting. given, was it feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing. And this is such a great opportunity. Oh my gosh, this is happening. Did everyone feel that way? Or was it more just kind of like subtle? Absolutely. I think mixed layers and outside looking in, you would see a young person eager to achieve, eager to please the adults in their lives. And that was the medium. And I'm so grateful. Never would I ever undermine the amount of specialness, even just being able to participate in projects that allowed us to travel to other spaces and learn about other cultures and understand other things happening in the world that maybe I wouldn't have known had I been in Mommy Valley Country Day School in Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> totally. I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. But when I tell you that some of the most precious experiences in life are the most mundane, I absolutely savor what we might call normalcy and anonymity as like the most sacred aspects of being alive and, and being in embodied form. So it was a lot. And I think that's actually a part of the advocacy that I do now is to understand when you have so much happening all at once, it's hard to process. So how can we create preventative tools, education upfront, equip parents to understand all of the rapid decisions you have to make because to be clear, so many parents and young performers have really wonderful intentions and they just want to support young people succeeding. So it's easy to kind of villainize folks in the industry and think like, ah, they're bad apples and they're to manipulate and take advantage. No, a lot of people are just going to their job every day and trying their best. There's just some systemic things that we could improve. <laughs> totally. Describe the kind of child you were. Oof. At that age, seven. Yeah. I mean, well, I started performing at three, but working professionally at six, seven. <laughs> so bizarre to say. It's <laughs> just bizarre. I think it's helpful to contextualize this from a developmental perspective. So at six, seven, my brain is not differentiating reality from imagination quite yet. I don't have fully formed logic and reasoning to be able to think critically about what I'm participating in. I am also, from a personality development standpoint, still an extension of my caregiver. I haven't individuated yet, right? So I can tell you some adjectives, but really a lot of it is the fact that I'm at that age a sponge absorbing what's around me, checking in with where the positive reinforcement is coming from and trying to replicate that. So I would say I clung to things like 
high achievement and following all of the rules and being quite obedient as a child, which made me a great candidate for a workaholic as a child laborer. (laughs) Um, I was like willingly giving my best. (laughs) Yeah. But I remember growing up and admiring my friends and peers who were quote unquote rebels to me who didn't care about the rules, who would show up late to class. Oh my gosh. I couldn't fathom. You know, I was the kid who was like, hey, teacher, I just discovered this topic and I'm wondering if I can do an extra credit essay for no reason. (laughs) That's the only example you need to know. (laughs) It's a real story. (laughs) Based on a segment I saw on Oprah. (laughs) Why are you so driven for the advocacy you're doing right now? Explain this advocacy and this purpose and this drive that you have so that we can really understand what's really firing in you right now. Yes, absolutely. So to give you context, sometimes when we talk about stardom and celebrity, it's like the least humanizing topic and hard to have any empathy. It's fun though. It's fun. It's it's sure. It's (laughs) entertaining, right? But I'm actually working from the inside out here and, and from the inside of the system, looking at the child labor laws and regulations around what happens on set. We're looking at legislation. Currently, there are 17 states that have no laws in place to protect child entertainers. So it's against the law for other forms of child labor, but entertainment is exempt, which gives me the chills just to think culturally how we view entertainment differently. But children are working excessive hours and they're under these contracts that control their body, appearance, schedules for sometimes 10 plus years. And oftentimes, of course, the parents have no idea what they're signing when they sign the contract. Even how the audition process is designed, when you audition to be a series regular on a show, before you book the job, you have to sign contract terms that will dictate what your life will be like. And so let's say you get the job and you didn't even really want it, you're already under contract and it's go time. So it's really interesting, the order of operations and the lack of preparation for people. So we're looking at regulations and then other parts of the ecosystem as people recruit young, precocious, charismatic kids. And we think, oh, your kid needs to be on TV, (laughs) which is such a loaded thing you're wishing upon them. I look at what are the preventative tools we can design for parents to understand a holistic approach to supporting their well-being, appropriate developmental resources, help them regulate their nervous system before and after an audition, for example. And an example I use that's helpful for people to go, oh, wow, this is more than I expected, is if a young person, I'll use a story. I auditioned for a movie called Man on Fire with Denzel Washington. And I think Dakota Fanning ended up getting it. And I think in one of the scenes, I had to portray being kidnapped. Well, as a child, again, not differentiating between reality and fantasy on top of really wanting to enroll myself in that experience, I'm in an audition room with a stranger filming me where on cue, I need to reenact that scene as many times as they request, making adjustments emotionally, physically, hiding under chairs, you know, really fully committing. And of course, 
the irony as an actor is you're rewarded for your commitment. So then you'll get the job and it's this interesting thing of like, so it's good that I'm doing this. It's good that I'm reenacting trauma. I just check it in. What do I do here? So I'm looking at the tools that we can provide families up front. And the reason I, I want to offer this is actually entertainment is such a precarious entry point, but this really can spread to any high-performing children in academics and athletics, starting to examine, I should say, integrate the information we now have from a trauma-informed standpoint, child development standpoint, and just update the systems to reflect healthier spaces for young people. I commend you so much. I commend you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Truly. I'm just trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> no, I know, but I it needs to be expressed because mm-hmm. someone like me, I'm watching, and I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I'm like watching this, and then now I've been had the privilege of speaking with people that have walked a similar journey, different shows, different journeys, mm-hmm. saying the psychological impact was real. Yeah. And actually... My co-star wanted to take their life and people are being mean on internet. Now we have access to these people and they wanted to take their life and no one really isn't understanding what this is doing. Right. And I think it's just important to have this conversation because people are listening. I'm grateful to have this platform. People can hear that, whoa, we've got to be careful what we're shooting out to people. We got to understand what's really going on behind the scenes and just be educated around it. And what I also want to invite into the conversation is this is not just about a subgroup of people. We're actually very interconnected in this, right? The media that's produced the storytelling, the messaging has affected all of our identity formation, our relationship to body image. There's power dynamics involved with how we view a celebrity. And there's that illusion of separation that, you know, we might want to emulate someone and they seem so out of reach, but in the next breath, because they feel less than human, we can actually dehumanize them and kind of project all of our shadow qualities that we don't want to admit we have within ourselves onto this public figure because they'll never see our comments. And so it's an interesting, larger collective and cultural conversation here. And even folks who end up learning about what goes on on set, I'm sorry, but the next time you see a young person on a movie, like you can't unknow what I've shared with you. (laughs) And, And you start to ask though, like what kind of stories are we telling and why? And how are we depicting them? And do we need to share them the way we do? Could we take a more informed approach? And as consumers, if I think I'm able to just privately scroll and no one knows except for the companies collecting my data, what I'm liking and commenting on, well, your attention is actually dictating what movies get made. So this is a shared conversation. And it's, yes, we can talk about protecting children. and That's my passion within this, but it's so much larger. It's about living a more conscientious lifestyle and being aware of how we're all interconnected. Oof, so good. Can I go there with you a little bit? Like sure. about trauma a little bit? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I always want to be respectful. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, try me. If, if something comes up, then I'll say, Next. Next. Yeah. <laughs> What's the most 
difficult situation you've gone through during this process would you say was one that you've had to do a lot of work around? (sighs) Well, I think it was, it was a number of situations that had a similar pattern and resulted in the experience of dissociation. So I think my biggest journey, which is why I now run a somatic-focused mental health company, was understanding how to feel safe and connected to my body. My home life involved parents and caregivers who are active addicts, as well as physical, emotional, other forms of abuse. And that was every day. So that was, you know, chaotic home environment. And then being on set and having that kind of unpredictable schedule and lifestyle, that was also a form of chaos. And I think my response to that was to cling to rigidity then and to say, what's the easiest, fastest way for me to solve this, not feel it? So I disconnected, I mean, not consciously, but as a young person, flooded with experience, right? And no tools to manage. So disconnected, went offline, and then just lived neck up, right? Hyper-intellectualization. If you can't tell based on (laughs) how I like to formulate my answers already. I'm like, how can we give the most comprehensive, detailed answer? (laughs) Um, So yeah, star student, but like chill out. (laughs) So so I, I lived neck up and I'm so, so indebted. Ooh, I feel immediate gratitude for the first therapist I worked with who I didn't know was trained in somatics. Because of her, I was able to slowly learn how to come online, to feel emotion, to process what's happening in my body at a sensational level, and actually cultivate a sense of resilience where you don't feel like you're running from life and shrinking, but you actually have the wherewithal to embrace whatever the day brings, manage it, and move forward. And her name is Kate, and I truly feel like she was a parental figure for me. She honored all professional boundaries, but she was the consistency, the rock, and she was so deeply embodied. It was alarming for me at first, right, to see someone fully just in their skin. But through her modeling, I was able to come back online and now feel like I'm actually alive. (laughs) So I think that's the biggest journey for me so far is understanding how to feel safe, comfortable, confident, how to understand nervous system regulation. And then, of course, the fun part is like, so who are you authentically in your body? Like, how do you want to express yourself? Where's your personality? But when you're in survival mode... Which is changing mode, all the time, which is fascinating totally. journey in itself. Yeah, right. Yeah, who are you today? I think you get it, and then you're like, oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> With my company, as one of the therapists who teaches some of our live classes, uh, when she asks people how they're doing or how they're feeling... Her introductory question is, how are you moving today? How are you moving today? I love that. When you reflect on actually the kind of mannerisms within your body, are you feeling, you know, really open and relaxed? Are you a little uptight? And that often is kind of telling for other parts of your mental and emotional state as well. A lot of your work, similar to the work that really saved and helped you, is this somatic work that you're doing very similar? Yeah, it absolutely is 
a classic case of turning your pain into purpose. <laughs> Make your mess your message. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also there's some practical reality to this, which is you have to use what you know to find the job that you can do. So it wasn't necessarily this like divine calling and now I must. Because if, if I may, I think sometimes that actually, sometimes when folks want to microwave that transition and go pain to purpose, I'm like, wait a second, I don't know if you've really integrated this yet. And I don't know if just because it worked for you that it needs to be everyone else's message. I'm excited it worked for you. I love that but... you're speaking on this because this has been brought up. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. It's been brought up a lot. Great. So this is good. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like, it was a number of factors. And I also started the company knowing I didn't want to be the main messenger here. I needed to look at a multicultural perspective and approach, a more accessible and inclusive mental health space. Because yes, I have a certain lived experience, but yeah, everyone else's is so very different. So it was immediately like, okay, we have some ingredients, but now who belongs in this ecosystem of voices that needs to bring this message forward? That felt really crucial. I don't want to be someone who's like, this worked for me. So buy my everything. Like, nah. Yeah. Empower you to find what tools work for your nervous system. <laughs> Do you have any wisdom around someone who's, because this has been brought up, there's been some deep trauma in this room. Mm. And similar to what you're kind of describing. Mm. Do you have any insight? And I know that sometimes it's finding what might work for you. But do you have anything that's coming up and out from you right now that you would say you could start here or start here or start here to start healing that trauma? Well, I must say that I'm not a licensed psychotherapist. <laughs> so take everything I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> covering all her bases, her lawyer's yeah, happy. <laughs> only go so far. I am my own lawyer. I got to cover my own bases. <laughs> um <laughs> So <laughs> this is so ironic because the first place my mind went to is like, well, there's a seven step process that I wrote in my book. <laughs> well, don't you can say that, though. It's OK, because but that's really <laughs> you don't need to buy my book. It's mostly about strengthening the, the mind body connection. And maybe that feels abstract to bring into this, but in some ways, it's my observation and my experience that it benefits a lot of corporations, speakers, organizations for you, for us to remain disempowered and to feel as if something externally has our solution. And there's something about strengthening the mind-body connection and kind of coming into your own space of resilience where it seems to repair any kind of broken trust we have with ourselves. And it maybe enables us to be able to strengthen the discernment and to recognize, ah, this is a worthwhile investment and not just someone who's really charismatic and persuasive. Storytelling, our minds, we're trying to make meaning out of everything. And so if someone's a, an expert storyteller, you're like, drool, sign me up. And sometimes it's like, actually, if if you begin to integrate the qualities that you admire in that external 
resource or person, you might find less incentive or need to invest your money. Right? Sorry, if you're selling courses, I don't mean to, I don't mean to. No, we're doing truth <laughs> there. Yeah. For you, no, no. But really strengthening that inner compass, I think is, is liberating. It's empowering, it's liberating. And then you feel like you're able to consciously decide, okay, who you want to share time and space with. And it seems like at that point, you start to also attract and notice different experts. They have like a different texture to how they show up. And it's a, I can't speak for everyone, but in my experience, it seems like a little less of the candy <laughs> and a little more of like, wow, I feel like I would trust you to have like a deep conversation with in an intimate place where there weren't microphones and no one, you know, yeah, you know, no one was monetizing anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I think approaching healing from the mind body perspective, we store, I'm sure you've gone over this, like we store it all in our system. It's somewhere in here and it's linked later to chronic illness, disease, cancer, et cetera. And the research is showing that. Yeah. And so what are the ways that we can start to shift our body out of survival mode and into a state of growth and repair. And for the fellow geeks in here, if you want to look into any programs, I'm currently in an interpersonal neurobiology course under Dr. Dan Siegel. If you're not familiar with Dan Siegel, he has a ton of wonderful books on healing trauma. He's someone who I feel like he's been in the space for decades he wasn't trying to monetize. He really just wants to support people. I actually people. didn't know of him, so I'm grateful you dropped oh, yeah, this yeah. down because this is important. Yes, For some yeah. people that need to Let hear give this, you some it's names. very important. Yeah. Yes, give you some names, some gems. Dr. Jamie Marich, who is a queer and body-inclusive, trauma-informed psychotherapist, specialist in many arenas. If anyone is dealing with recovery or addiction or Dr. Jamie is wonderful, Dr. Dan, yes, Peter Levine, if you're not familiar with Waking the Tiger or I think Healing Trauma are the two books that can definitely be like a digestible entry point. What is your book? Can we just name drop it, please? Sure, yeah, yeah. It's called Mind Body Movement. Mind Body Movement. We're going to link it in the show notes for sure. Oh, great. Yeah, thanks. And that's if you're wanting simplified guide entry point and it comes with not only journal prompts, but also some guided movements and videos just to experience what it's like to come back into your your body. My training is under all of these folks, so feel free to go straight to the source. Deb Dana, just because I want to give some folks who are not straight white cis men, <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> Deb Dana is in the field. Resma Menikim is in the field. So yeah, revisit these names, Google them, go down the rabbit hole. It's it's really profound and and beautiful what they're offering. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah, sure. Love geeking out. (laughs) What made you say yes to coming on this show? I imagine you're busy. (laughs) Imagine. What made you say yes to this? Do you want the truth? I do want the truth. Okay. Are you sure? (laughs) I have a team, so I know nothing. (laughs) Okay. So in full and radical honesty, let's say up front that based off of a title and a website. I don't know you. I don't know who you are from the inside out. And the word manifest is actually something that sometimes sends up alarm signals for me because of the way that it's misused. Ooh, yes. And so 
in full honesty, when the request came in, my initial reaction was, that's not in alignment. It's likely not in alignment. We'll do some further vetting, but it's likely not in alignment. And then I also thought, well, it's important to listen to everyone's approach and words are words. Like, let's maybe have a conversation and see where we meet in the middle or, or explore other perspectives. But I, you know, went on your site, I saw like, okay, clearly you're committed to being in service of other people's growth and transformation. And that's essential. And the rest, I kind of just let be something that felt like, you know, this is curious. It wouldn't be typically where I land. Also, because my audience sometimes feels a trust with me because I don't lean into what some would consider woo-woo spaces. Yeah. Because I say, let's talk about the science. And for folks who have trauma from like spiritual, religious trauma, it can be really stirring if someone's kind of using manifestation as a form of spiritual bypassing. Oof. And so, so good. I tend to shy away from being affiliated just for those kind of protective reasons. But I feel more open to having this conversation just sort of from a, a gut place. Yeah, totally. And I want to hear, I want to understand what your experience is with manifestation and bringing things into fruition and the deep work that it takes to usher that in and the way that it can serve not just our own, you know, selfish motives, but truly like a collective shift. So I'm, I'm here in all years, but that's, this, that's the honest I, answer. <laughs> but what's so cool about that answer, and honestly, the truth about it is you're here. So something pulled you, just maybe the service element pulled you to the seat and to speak to us and everyone who's going to be listening to this. Hey! <laughs> Everyone's going to be listening. But I, what I love is this radical honesty and this radical commitment. And I think sometimes these conversations don't get had in such an open, honest way around deep, deep trauma. And I don't even know if we've even gone there fully. And I don't even know if an hour is enough to go to truth of what I really want to talk about. And I do find myself pull back a little bit. Like, is it, am I safe to talk about some things I really want to talk about? And I started the podcast to be able to have those kind of conversations that I really want to have. And I'm, I feel like I'm tiptoeing if I'm really honest. Yeah, yeah. And I agree well, with it's you. It's a risk. It's a risk. The disclosure is a risk. It's and your a, privacy, you know, you, your confidentiality yeah. deserves to be what it is as well. Yeah. And yeah. so I love bringing on people that I feel like are going to be truthful speakers yeah, sure. <laughs> and that kind of ruffle the feathers a little bit. And I, that's kind of, I'm like, I'm going to use this platform for that, but I'm with you. This word manifest is getting thrown out like confetti and it's getting thrown out. Just like trauma. Trauma is a buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. True. And we even had Dr. Topeka on yesterday and she was explaining how this whole thing about She's very probably aligned with you in the fact that she's very science-based and I'm not that science-based. I'm going to be very honest. I'm not that science-based. And she was like, I'm so sick of people saying, you got this disease and you created it, you know, or you created this scenario. And she was explaining the reasoning. And I think, I think that this word this is actually more of a dance situation and we just branded it, forget branding mm. out. This yeah. is a whole movement 
experience. Manifestival is designed and was created to, I'm taking sound frequencies that have been known for ancient, ancient years and infusing them in music and box beats that people want to move to. So I feel like we have an alignment there. And using visuals like sacred geometry that actually now are scientifically studied to elong dendrites and to shift the neurological makeup of someone's body and bring people into a container where it doesn't matter your demographic, doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your background and bring them together. And obviously everyone's going to probably do with their own individual intention at first, but come into a space and literally open the heart and do some healing with these sound frequencies in movement. And so that's what Manifestable actually is. And when I went to go do my podcast, they were like, I was like, I'm going to call it the Danette show. And my girlfriends were like, no, you're going to call it Manifestable because this is your mission. And so that's where Manifestable came from. So there you go. Thank you for the origin story. <laughs> can I ask you a question or is yes. that not my job? To yeah, yeah, no, you can. We Anything's allowed here. Well, I found myself, I was listening to the previous speaker and because we didn't get a chance to live life alongside each other before this conversation, I wondered what feels important, and maybe this is not something you want to do on a microphone, but what feels important for me to know about you? What do you want me to know about you? Ooh, and I'm going to re- do this back on you too. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, we've done talking about how one of my fears is being misrepresented or misunderstood. That's a big fear of mine. So I don't always step forward in the truth of what I want to always express because I don't want to be misunderstood in my expression. So what I would want for you to know about me is, and I don't say this because it sounds so cliche when I'm like saying it in my brain, I'm like, I hope she knows that I mean it, but I want people like I'm going to tear up to know that I love them and my essence loves you and my human body may judge certain situations and maybe even you or you or you but my soul loves you. And I remember that. That's what I remember. And that's what I want you to know. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it felt important to just like land together in a moment. And the part about feeling misrepresented, I... You can relate to. Yes, I'm sure we all can find ourselves in that. And it's so complicated when we are being recorded in real time and clips can be taken out of context. And even just in everyday situations, like just that drive to want to be truly seen and understood at a heart level for someone to know your intentions, even if it's clunky and the delivery like is super vulnerable to share. And I I do relate to that. So I also want to name how my response to not knowing who I was getting involved with by totally, coming on the show. Could, I'm the same way. <laughs> might, might have activated some of that sense of, oh no, I hope whoever brought this to Allison's team didn't misrepresent who we are and what we do. So I feel you on that. When we're in the day-to-day movements and we only get like a, a glimpse of someone and we kind of make a judgment decision just based off of that, it's tough. A lot of stuff precedes us. That's not you. It's not your baggage. It's my stuff around the word. It's my stuff totally, around. But it's so good for me to hear. It's actually really good. So I want to turn the question back <laughs> on to you. No. <laughs> Why? 
what did I ask? (laughs) What do you want me to know about you? The thing that's coming up is just wanting to be seen in how painfully normal I am. I think for the last chapter of my life in deconstructing Hollywood and a very just strange upbringing, I said in the beginning, to be normal, to be mundane, to be boring, to be average, to be really bad at some things, to be nothing feels really important (laughs) to me (laughs) right now because our culture is so about like, find your strength and how are you a superhuman? And that is absolutely gorgeous, full support, awesome. And like, I'm also really lame, <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm also so confused about what to do with my life. And I'm also going through like a shift in a romantic relationship and figuring out how to trust people. And like, I just want to be seen in the like really painfully average qualities, I think. Because it it feels safer to be able to be like, okay, now that you know that, now when I go on stage and I can, you know, perform for 100,000 people, like, at least you, at least you know the backstory. Like, I'm all of it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I can relate so much. Yeah. I want to be loved in my nothingness. Yes. 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 Exactly. (laughs) I don't want to be anything and still deserve your time. Yes. Deserve your love. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Just like, just because we are, just because you are you, enoughness, point blank. That's the starter pack and the starting point. (laughs) The rest is cherries. Yeah, right? Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We're going to do something that I don't normally do. And I know you're going to be like, oh my gosh, Danette, don't. Okay. This is very unique situation. I've never actually had a live audience come on this. I'm not, and I know these people out here have so much love. And can you send both Alice and I just love in our nothingness for a moment? And in particularly Allison, because she's my guest. Thanks. Yeah, and just send some love. Thank you. And we're sending it back in your nothingness. I like your nothingness. Nothing looks great on you. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing looks great on you. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go through legal. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I like it when you're wearing nothing. <laughs> I'm like, that was not trauma informed. That went straight from the heart, not up the head. That's my bad. Love y'all. In a healthy, consensual way. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Last question. You're going to exit this stage. And 10 minutes from now, you're going to also exit this planet. There's every person you love and beyond that are in front of you. And you have one thing that you get to say or a Uh. sentence. What would it be? Oh my gosh. <sighs> what, what's coming up is um, a few things. The cliche cookie cutter sentence is live the story you want to tell. But if I'm being 
even more honest. (sighs) To be alive in a body, whatever bundle of consciousness and energy we are, to be in this physical form for this period is a gift. It's such a unique and strange experiment. And I would just invite people to really explore every which way that you can be and feel and do and experience life in physical form while we have these bodies. And if the folks around me who I know and love and strangers alike, I think in that moment, it's just an offering of like all I am. Um, I give to you to carry on. Wow. That's the last question. (laughs) I shouldn't have worn eyeliner. I never do. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, who am I except everyone else who's poured into me and the DNA that's shaped me and the world that's shaped me? So it's now, okay, it's your turn. Pass the baton. Carry it forward and and explore what it means to be in a a physical earth suit because that seems to be a strange aspect of why we're here. And get some tissues for the journey. (laughs) Final piece of advice. (laughs) Bring tissues. (laughs) Thank you for your vulnerability, Mm. for your raw truth. You're a brush of fresh air. Or a breath of fresh air. I love you and all of it. Mm. Thank you for your radical truth, this explosive energy, and for how you walk on this planet. Thank you for being here. Takes one to know one. (laughs) (laughs) What an honor. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone too for sharing space. So I have to ask you guys, can I share something a little vulnerable with you? You probably know by now that I'm a health expert, fitness professional, that I've coached thousands of people to living a healthier life. But the truth is sometimes I don't get enough vegetables and greens in my day. Yeah, I even struggle with this, you guys. And I know the power of superfoods with greens and micronutrients. But here's the deal. I live a busy life just like you and not all the time do I want to eat a big salad with wheatgrass in it and micronutrients and probiotics and all the things that actually are really great for my body. But most green juices on the market are disgusting. They literally taste like licking the bottom of a lawnmower, let alone getting my kids to drink is just not going to happen. So I set out to try to make the best green juice on the market. One that's packed with actually all the nutrients. It's not watered down. It's organic, has all your trace minerals. It has your probiotic and all your superfood greens like spirulina, wheatgrass, all your fruits and vegetables in one serving. But the biggest key here is it needed to taste amazing. And I'm so happy to tell you, we created 
Island Bliss. And the reason it is called Island Bliss is because it tastes like you're sipping an Island Bliss drink on a beach. I'm not even joking. This tastes like orange dreamsicle. It is so delicious, but it has all of your vegetables, all of your fruit servings, your probiotics, your superfoods, and your trace minerals in one serving. It tastes so good. Kids will drink it just with water. I throw it in just plain water and ice. I sometimes throw it in my smoothies. It is super simple, super delicious. And right now for all of you, this is a one-time order here. What you can do is you can get your Island Bliss by going to earthechofoods.com. So like I said, go to earthechofoods, E-A-R-T-H, echo, E-C-H-O, foods.com and use the code MANIFESTABLE manifestable for 15% off your order at checkout. This is a huge discount. Trust me, you're going to love it. You're going to absolutely be amazed at the taste. You're going to get all of your superfoods in. Now I don't miss a beat. I take this traveling with me everywhere. It is so delicious. I actually find that it helps me not snack on sugary things because it is kind of naturally sweet. It's so good. So it actually helps me with my health goals. So I promise you, your body's going to thank me. So go ahead and go to earthechofoods.com. At the checkout, use the word manifestable, M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L, manifestable for 15% off your order at checkout. I love you guys.